are here. Oh. We have too much to say. We're here. Wait, Andrew, can we get a back update? Are are you still sore from last week? Oh, uh, no, I think I'm okay. Uh, Oh, my God. People, multiple people... (laughs) <laughs> brought that up from Yo Can We Live from last week's episode of Yo Can We Live. The uh, was it also on the live show? I think it was the, the main regular feed too. show on the main show. Okay, that maybe explains. There was a little more back reach oh. than I than I remember. Literally. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm fine. I think I was really just like I, I leaned my head back wrong. And so, yeah. what were people reaching out with, like tips or just checking in? Mostly, people were like, "That shouldn't happen at a facial." <laughs> I'm vindicated. Hell yeah. I yeah. am vindicated. That was, that was pretty thorough. Pretty thorough. See, thank you everyone for supporting me. Thank you for <laughs> mm-hmm. being on my side. You should be laying flat on a facial. You should not be in what I'm calling like a like a dentist chair. That's yeah, it was less deluxe than a dentist chair. <laughs> but it was fine. I've never done that. I've never done that before. Yeah. Uh, although arguably my skin is a teeny tiny bit worse than it was well, before I went in. That, that's your first facial ever. You're going to be getting rid of some impurities. So that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's like they tell you when you start meditating, a lot of stuff's going to come up. You're going to be in kind of a bad mood for the first few weeks. It's or, you know, cleanse. when you start eating real healthy, mm-hmm. your stomach that, might cramp, you know, stuff like that. That did happen to me a little bit. <laughs> I got I got very, I think, we did we talk about this during the first, like, month or so of the dreaded coronavirus COVID-19, I <laughs> I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this time. I'm going to get healthy as shit. Mm-hmm. And the first time I realized I was really struggling mentally was when I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to get like a fuckload. I think I literally got like what I in my head was like, this is four meals worth of Indian food delivered. Mm-hmm. And I ate it all. And I felt so much better afterwards. And I was like, oh, I... Eating healthy was making me feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to get through the like detox period, you know? I mean, other shit too, I guess, but. Yeah, that's true. But. You were also drink. I was drinking like a gallon of Campari a day. So I have that I, to blame. I was drinking a lot of Campari as well. Yeah, we were doing a lot of uh, Negronis, uh, white Negronis. We were sharing pictures of them on the thread being like, isn't drinking a fun Hobby and pastime. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And nothing else. Yeah. Um, we are the show, we, whatever. Yes. This is the show. The royal we. You, Tawny, are the show. <laughs> I personally am the show. Period. Goodbye. Um, this is the podcast, Yo, Is This Racist, where we listen to your voicemails about racism. Um, but first, we'd get into current events, news, et cetera. I'm Tawny Newsom. That's Andrew T. We got our producing Kevin Bartell. Producing? Producing man. Our, our producing man, Kevin Bartell. <laughs> um, I, I was getting my lashes done the other day, and a man knocked on the door. And when she opened the door, he goes, y'all eat steak in this house? <laughs> she was like, no, we're vegetarian. And he goes, well, well, I'm the steak man. You know somebody who needs steak, I can bring them. Oh, I was like, awesome. what century did we just jump in? And when I went outside, he had a big truck that said steak man on it. Wow. Oh my yeah. It was the steak man. He's a steak man. Um, but that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about way too many things. Mm-mm, it could be. <laughs> it could. We could add it in. I don't even know where to start. Uh, uh, Katanji um, Brown-Jackson having to deal with people's utter tomfuckery just being thrown at her. Just how... This is what I want to say first. 
I because I don't know shit about real politics, and so I don't want to talk about the, that part of it. But what I do want to say is the types of questions asked of her and the ways that those questions were offered up to her were all the things. They were, it was disrespectful. It was, you know, not fitting of her stature and her expertise and it was insulting and blah, blah, blah. And then all the descriptors online about her are true. She was poised. She was this, she was that. And it's great. And it's nice to see people recognize how hard she had to work versus let's say someone like, uh, who was sweaty? Uh, I love beer, Kavanaugh, man. Kavanaugh. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, screaming and getting all red in the face like a damn Gerber baby. Um, <laughs> so yes, those comparisons are yeah. Welcome everybody to to understand what black women in any <laughs> professional setting have to do at all times. <laughs> yeah. However, that shit was so hard to even watch. Even watching people's praise, I couldn't do it. It, it yeah. felt so stressful because it's so familiar, and it just. It, I wasn't like, yay, good for her. I was like, this happens to me so often. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm, yeah. it's just triggering as fuck to like watch that and to feel it with her. And my shit is like way lower stakes and way less important. And I'm not like, you know, trying to serve America with any of my yeah. work. But like it just the the level to which you have to like choose your words really carefully to not offend these you know, utter fragile assholes who are asking you really disrespectful questions. It's common. So just think about, think about every black woman you've ever worked with and just know that she deals with that constantly. And this is not some anomaly just because it's on a grand political scale. This shit is not uncommon. And no, it is the most every everywhere we have to be, everyone has to be deferential to white supremacy. I think the, yeah. If you work at a damn stamps.com call center, yeah. The black woman next to you is dealing with this shit. Yeah. Stamps.com, not a sponsor, not yet. So hit us up. <laughs> uh, no, I, but, you know, uh, the other part of it was, because this week also, it's coming out pretty clearly that Clarence Thomas's wife is did a little treason. And Just he tried to cover it up and is not recusing himself. But, you know, so the, the right wing... They, the the right wing will call it the idea, although is this an idea really? Is like, oh, how can you say like the the uh, Supreme Court uh, is racist if you're going to attack the only black Supreme Court justice? <laughs> Which is like, it, it, I mean, truly, it is just like okay, maybe inelegant words about like supporting black people, mm. but. How about this? As soon as you frame it as not supporting white supremacy, it all falls into place and maybe just accept that shorthand. Yeah, like Clarence Thomas is indisputably a white supremacist, just, you know, whatever the color of his skin. And it's so, like, hilarious to see, like, Twitter racists, but I think all racists think that is a gotcha, like having one black person on their side or one Asian person. Um, they it's love just like, being like, "How can your precious racism exist now?" It's like yeah. easy, yeah. real easy. People are <laughs> fucked in the head. Like, yeah. people don't, uh, uh, people don't have beliefs that align with what their actual best interests are. It sucks. Yeah. Well, or like whatever. I'm sure it's in Clarence Thomas's or Candace Owens or whoever's like personal best interest, right? Um. Or whatever, as they judge it. But like, 
that doesn't mean, you know, or Andrew Yang, you know, it's not, it's not just black folks out there, uh, one in a, you know, a couple million acting like, uh, white supremacists. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's all very easy. Is it slightly inelegant that we, um, you know, basically the phrase white supremacy and racism are used synonymously, even if they maybe, I guess, arguably, but not really, but maybe arguably, but kind of are not exactly the same thing. Sure. But like, okay, you win. You win, racists. Yeah, it's just, I don't know. Nothing nothing exists on a binary, no matter how hard either side would love you to think that it does. And intersectionality is a real bitch, especially when it comes to (laughs) who gets to be racist. The answer is pretty much it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, what else? I, I guess we should. We felt like we should talk about the. Was it in the Verge? I don't even remember what fucking platform. I don't it give came a out damn. <laughs> Andrew, was a, you there, had a nice quote in it. There There's an article little... that came out about uh, our former network and uh, why they lost all of their cool hosts and why they fucked up their merger with a giant corporation and it just so grandly missed the point it made me so annoyed andrew you were interviewed for it and i remember thinking when you're like recording this show and andrew was like oh i gotta jump off after this and i'm gonna talk to this woman who's writing this article about the network and you were kind of like what you know what do we want to say or whatever and i was like who cares just tell the truth say whatever you're comfortable talking about um definitely didn't have like a huge axe to grind, but like there, there were fucked up things that happened and I'm not trying to like, like trying to protect yeah. anyone <laughs> there. Yeah. Like it, some really fucked up shit happened. So I was like, say whatever you want. And then I really expected a call from the writer myself or maybe to call Zig or maybe to call any black person. Lacey. It's troubling when I'm the darkest person interviewed <laughs> for anything. Let's Don't just say, say that. Darkest person. <laughs> It's really, that's troubling, is you saying you're the darkest person. I'm the least white person. Okay. I don't know. I'm sorry. Should we cut that? No, I just think it's funny. It's a weird, it sounds like you're talking about like, like you're a wizard. (laughs) Oh, that's true. Well, there's also that. Like you're the most goth. (laughs) That is also true. No, but so, um, yeah, they interviewed, like, you know, people who are our friends and who said really great things. Like, Paul Shear had great things to say and, you know, spoke the truth. And I don't think anybody was, like, covering shit up. But yeah, what the focus, I, like, like many things, it's like well-meaning people, when you look at, when you talk to them in the wrong proportions, the focus gets fucked up. And sometimes the wrong thing gets at least implied. Yeah. And the thing that felt implied here was, like, Oh, during June of 2020, at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, all these white people decided to shake things up at Earwolf. And business acquisitions are crazy. Am I right? Like, that was the tone of the whole thing. When really, and like, I don't know, we don't have to get too in the weeds because who cares? Like, truly, who cares? I'm trying to be like, is this about my ego or is this about setting the record straight for listeners. And I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. I don't know what my motivation is here, but I do want people to know that like the 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 grand host upheaval, the grand exodus of hosts or ending of shows after hosts decided to leave but then realized that they either couldn't or didn't want to continue their show on your, on their own. Some people continued independently. 
Some people merged with other parts of the network, joined Team Coco, did other things to like change their relationships with with Earwolf. That started because black people and Andrew at the network got together to compare our ad sales, to compare mm-hmm. notes that we'd been given about a reading ad copy. Andrew and I had been told that our reads were unprofessional at one point, which I was like, <laughs> unprofessional feels like well, a loaded ass thing to say. <laughs> also unprofessional and too sarcastic, which is uh, <sighs> if you, I we would just encourage everyone to consider the Earwolf portfolio at the time right before we yeah. left and ask if it's possible to be too sarcastic. We were not too sarcastic. If anything, I was like, I I think this is what the network wants. It seems to be what (laughs) all the fun white guys are doing. We are by Um, far the most earnest (laughs) of everyone on that network. And that's even like, that's even a false problem that they brought up because the the real issue was that we had no ads because they did not sell any ads for our show. And they did not sell any ads for the other black shows there, I'm. you guys can figure out which shows those are. Some people are still at the network, so I'm not going to like drag them into our bullshit. But we all got together. We were doing three-hour Zooms to compare notes, to talk about things yeah. that we'd been told by the sales team. And we uncovered that we had all been fed the same info about our shows, that the blame was placed back onto our shoulders about our numbers not being high enough. That's why we didn't have ads. About our name, the fact that we had racist in the name Literally, many people told Andrew, told Zig, and told me in writing that it was going to make people think, make advertisers think the show was, quote, pro-racism. That was a little grating to see in the article that they just published the serious response to that without then following up with yeah they they published a spokesperson for serious that was like, no, we never discussed a name change. I'm like, bitch, I have the emails. Since 2019, might, I have the emails. I guess don't make me go into my archives. The previous <laughs> uh, parent company. Oh, gives uh, a damn. They all whatever. Yes, 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 yes. So it it was annoying to to see those things in the article not mentioned. Maybe the writer truly just didn't know to ask these questions. But like the truth is, is that me, the Culture Kings, Lacey Mosley, Andrew, we all got together and started comparing information. We went to the sales team. We had an hour-long conversation with the sales team about like, hey, I feel like you're having trouble, you know, communicating our content to- Yeah, what can we do? To the buyers. What can we do? How can we help? Zig made a deck for our show, (laughs) like a new advertising deck explaining that the show wasn't pro-racism for a show that had been on their network for years. We did all this free labor. Well, and also, then, they, they were selling ads for, like, a show called Guys We Fucked, for and instance. And Horville <laughs> and, like, all these other things. The, my favorite was one email that I had forwarded to me after I had written email after email just saying, like, hey, I know people at other networks with smaller numbers than us who have plenty of ads. Like, I'm just wondering what the problem is. And Zig had forwarded that on. And then some marketing person just wrote back two words, inflammatory content. Just blanket labeled our show inflammatory content. So then when we logged onto that Zoom and we saw, I kid you not, June 15th of 2020, June 20th of 2020, and we log on and there's 10, 12 white faces staring back at us. And we're like, are any of you even comfortable saying the title of our show? Have you, what's your favorite episode you've listened to? What's your favorite part? The voicemails or the current events? Like it was so clear that no one had any understanding of what we do. At one point in the call, one of the (laughs) executives asked me to give them like a gut check 
on whether or not it was insensitive to promote black hosted shows during this time. And mm-hmm. I said, sir, that's look, that's a Negro that you pay. It is not me because you already are not paying me to do my job. So you're not going to not pay me to do this extra job. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. I said I wasn't going to get in the weeds, but I'm mad. <laughs> we, we started that shit. And then and then what happened is I called Paul Shear and I said, hey, the black people feel like we're being disrespected. Our ads suck. And he was like, our ads suck too. Yeah. And now and and then it became a grander conversation with all of the hosts there. And yeah. I just I mean, I, I don't doubt that other small shows or medium shows were like middle class shows, essentially. Like, you know, oh, we we're, were not being the show. We're, we're yeah. But the lang- it is the thing that was the point that was missed in the the article, especially, but in reality too, is that like you know, we were being spoken to in a specifically different way than yes. those folks. Um, we were being told squarely that it was our fault that our shows were not doing well. And we were just being lied to. And it wasn't until we learned we were being told the same lies yeah. that we all started talking. We were like, wait, they told me the same thing about the name. They were telling other shows, oh, your name sounds like this because it has this cultural thing. Or one show where they said, oh, well, you're a black host, but the majority of your audience is white. So there's, we just don't know how to market that. I was like, that's most podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, big secret. That's most black hosted podcasts. I'm sorry, white people just listen to more podcasts. Yeah. And they figured out numbers, how to advertise. There's also yeah. more white people in America. <laughs> <laughs> right. They of- <laughs> also will buy black shit. Have you met our listeners? Yeah. Uh, they would love to yeah. buy some black shit. We would send them black owned businesses that they would just not follow up with. Just, I mean, they just let us down in so many ways. But what really got me was the gaslighting and the lying to us about about what they were doing to fix it. And so yeah. we tried to make it work for so long because we were friends with all the people there, the producers. Yeah. Everyone's really, you know, nice for sure. But the, it's it was systemically like broken. Yes. I don't know. I also I will say when when I was talking to this woman, I did sort of fuck up because I went on I had limited time and I went on a long tangent uh about uh the time before you joined the pod Tawny that Matt Besser, uh comedy legend Matt Besser personally took a shot at this show. Uh, an episode long shot. An entire episode talking shit. That essentially I actually was too scared to listen to it um because I was like new at the network and I was like, they didn't tell me it was coming out. This like, And you were the again. only host of color at the time. Kulap didn't even have a show yet. Yeah. I think there there, there wasn't one other show that had started around the time that had um the rapper No Can Do was part of it. Oh, I don't remember the name of it. But um but the point was I was like, they let this it was I only learned that this episode was coming out when all these like Matt Besser fans who are racist. Uh, were in my DM or not in my DMs in my mentions on Twitter, being like, "Guess you're the real racist now," because yeah. I'd sa- I'd said casually that the Midwest is racist, which I'm pretty sure Matt Besser assumed I was not from the Midwest. I was born in Michigan uh, because <laughs> I think he thinks that Asian Americans, if they were not just foreigners, were born in on the San coast. Francisco, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm everybody. I, yep find it highly, highly likely that that is the case. But yeah, they they uh, devoted like an entire episode just talking shit. And I didn't bother listening to it because the reaction from, again, his fans was Told so... You everything cl- you need Yeah, to it was know. so yeah. clearly... Like, them being like, guess you're the real racist was like, oh, you yeah. guys are fucking scum. Um, 
Yeah. So, which is just such a like lesson in power dynamics. Uh, if you look at where the network was at that time, the the few, if not zero, number of hosts of color. Yeah. To allow one of your like popular famous comedy guys to just take such a targeted shot at the only show talking about real shit. Well, and I was like new. It was like in my first yeah. like couple months, I think. Like, no, it was wait, Kevin's shaking his head. I shake my head in disbelief. Shake? I just oh, okay, can't believe okay. it. Yeah, yeah. I it truly I was just like, I was like, well, I assume I'm canceled. The fact that no one said anything to me that it was coming out, like right. was like, okay. You and know. that was a long time ago that largely yeah. didn't involve a lot of the people who were there, you know, most recently when we left. But it does speak to just like the, we were always not a fit there. Yeah. It was, you know, it was nice to be able to get the thing started for you. And it was a nice place for me to join. And I've had a lot of totally. fun, like, doing well, for comedy me, pods I, over there. Yeah, We have so many friendships there. But the the business of it was run in such a way that did not make space for us yeah. fundamentally, financially. <laughs> yeah, just. I mean, I I had like I I was still working a day job when I started this podcast, so it was like you know becoming, uh, getting to write TV was wasn't even like a guarantee at all. Like, yeah, I I truly I was like, oh okay, I'm fucked. Like, and it was like really scary and like really like really unpleasant. I was yeah. just like. Walking on eggshells, I was like, okay, no one knows me in this town, but I have at least one by name enemy now. Yeah. Who's very powerful, you know. Yeah. In one comedy, which is what you of, were doing. Actually, I was going to say one fourth of UCB, but of the UCB4, but uh, it was actually one half of the UCB4 uh, were uh, included in that podcast. And it was fucking terrifying. I was like, okay, well, now I have these people that just knee jerk hate me. Or yeah. you know these these white guys who think I'm the real racist is a good bit. What an original new thought! I hope they got a lot of downloads from it. Um, yeah. So much of the narrative too at that time was like because um, I was on a lot of those calls with uh, Matt, like trying to help uh, with like on the ad Matt, side. Matt, a saint, a, a king, truly did so much for us. There. Him and Zig, yeah. both heroes. Um, and then just hearing like let's over not, and over let's, again. Let's keep, let's, let's not let those guys. <laughs> no, they're perfect. They're angel babies. Um, Ports in a storm. Just the amount of like times we heard like, we're, we're really trying, like we're putting in a lot of effort. And then just like the amount, I mean, the amount of ads we've had over the last year truly speak for themselves. Like Oh, truly the, the just action, walking away and going somewhere else. A yeah. completely different experience where like the actions just speak so much louder over the last year that like is so validating of like, man, this is like everyone knew it had nothing to do with the show <laughs> nothing yeah. to do with the show literally because we w took we went away to to a model where we have less support we don't have a marketing budget mm -hmm. we don't have we have nothing but ourselves and a little bit of subscription money that was the other thing the 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 penalizing factor of our contracts not allowing us to build any sort of subscription model so i was like so you're going to pay us pennies not sell ads for our show because you've labeled us inflammatory content in an official email from a man with a C-suite title um, mm -hmm. who's no longer there anymore, but fuck him. And so you're going to deny us money twice and then you you're going to deny us money the third time by not letting us do a Patreon or a subscription thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
this is slavery. <laughs> I joke, I joke. Um, <laughs> but it was, it felt heightened like that. June of 2020, a lot of things felt like slavery. Yeah, I mean, I think it was that, that like, <laughs> I mean, that was motivating, right? The specific optics of the specific time, us all also realizing that, like, what's important is different than, you know, we're, we all learned uh, or perspectives shifted for sure. Yeah. In the last year, maybe that's late. Maybe they should have always been shifted, but that's when they definitely took a, a turn, I think, for us a little bit. Yeah. And it gave us the power and the confidence to share notes with people because sometimes it can be scary to say like, hey, my fellow podcaster, I know you probably have more downloads than I do. And maybe that's embarrassing, but like, can I ask you about your ads? How many have you had? And then you yeah. kind of find out like, oh, no, I have X many thousand or so do I. So we're kind of comparable. And our friend over here at this other network has 20,000 fewer than us per week. And has five ads a week. What's yeah. not adding up? So that that transparency of, yeah, being able to be transparent with each other, uh, you know, really came out of the fact that people were, black people were in the streets all day protesting violence, protesting police violence. And then at night getting on Zoom and being like, how can we make our podcast network care about us? <laughs> Which yeah, is really. so ridiculous. But it did, it, it was related in that it, 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 it allowed us to just like, yeah, to, to be transparent about things. And I've carried that i am grateful for this whole thing because it has it, it has carried through in the rest of my career i'm now being more transparent with my castmates and coworkers about fees that we're getting paid to try and <laughs> make up for some gender disparity some gender pay disparity mm -hmm. but you know it it just the article just really reignited my anger at I, it's not like I want a pat on the back to be like, yay, you started a thing. Because I'm legitimately happy for some of our friends who were able to stay there and change their contracts and make it work for them. Like, mm -hmm. I don't wish that the network would dissolve. I wish that they I, I wish that they had worked harder to, you know, I don't know, to just, like, support us. Or even to be honest. I mean, yeah. our faces were, like, front and center in the ear, er, the lobby. lobby. And it was a thing where it was like, look, whatever value you are not recouping in ad sales, you are using us as PR. Like we yep. were front and center on the like website. Um, oh, we the website like, was full of people of color, like stock yeah. image and hosts. There were more people of color on the website. This is one thing I brought up on one of the sales calls. There were more images of people of color on the website than worked for all of Stitcher. Yeah, yeah. It's like not close. So so yeah. they were they were taking value from our faces. Look, whether they found that to be monetarily worth it, like I don't know, that's their fucking problem, I guess. It was culturally think, worth it because every yeah. time a black person walked in there to pitch them their podcast, they felt safe. Yeah. Well, and just like it's better to not have a bunch of a, a white only podcast network. Right. It's just, it's not, but that didn't translate to it. We have a only white paid podcast network <laughs> well but and they did have a white only uh ad sales team essentially yeah. more or less i will say with the possible asterisks but yeah basically it was like just very clear where the priorities lied you know and that is sort of endemic to every industry like like decision makers you know however much like you know and it's a thing i have also been trying to like be more conscious of like individual diversity efforts are not you know, sometimes counterproductive. There are never the like victories they make you seem. Right. You know, but they are also 
the cogs of how stuff culture does change. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've been reading a lot of stuff where I'm like, it's not about these individual examples. It's about the change of culture. It's about changing the system. And that to me also is a little like, well, the system is just made up of people. Yeah. So like replacing enough of those people does start to change the culture. Yeah. yeah. Because then you wouldn't have to ask me, if one more person asked me for a list of Black-owned businesses, which my dumbass gave the first time, I was like, sure, I'll write some down for you guys, even though you're paid a salary to figure this shit out. Yeah. And then they just didn't do anything with it. And then they would ask me again, like, I'd be like, hey, how about we have more like people of color-owned businesses advertise on the show? And they'd be like, can you get us like a list maybe? I was like, motherfucker. Yeah. If you don't get your... oof. Yeah, and just to reiterate, this was all happening before an acquisition. Right, yeah. yeah. I mean, the acquisition did not help. I think they added to the, like, hey, your ad reads aren't professional because they started listening back. That was one thing the article did point out. They started Mm -hmm. listening after recording, and I was like, you're not going to tell me our ad reads are unprofessional when (laughs) we've heard all the other shows on this network. Yeah. Um. Well, yeah, we really said we I weren't going to grind this axe, but we're. I think this was this was good. This was all shit that yeah, absolutely. It's kind of nice to have said it. I feel like there's, yeah. there's parts of this that are like, okay, that's good. I know. I know some of it's just petty gossip, and it's just because I'm mad. So forgive me for getting too in the weeds of it all. Mm, I'm positive the listeners loved it. <laughs> Kevin, anything else? You, I mean, Kevin, you were in the thick of it in like a weird, different way. So I didn't want to talk over your experience. Uh, no, I think, uh, yes, part of why I left was everything that you both were describing, because uh, yeah. I saw it every day and I was mad. Obviously, another show I work on was interested in leaving, which made it a lot easier. But this was extremely frustrating to watch and watch the amount of effort People were putting into trying to make change that wasn't really happening. I'm extremely grateful for the experience I had there, but at a certain point it was like, all right, enough's enough. And uh, I wanted to leave. Yeah. Yeah. We're grateful you did. We're lucky. We all came out ahead. Like, I shouldn't even be complaining because we're doing so much better now just with less support. This has been a long infomercial for suboptimalpods.com. Oh, Andrew, great work. Yes, that's Go where to, you could support us. If, you, if, you, if you've been moved by our harrowing tale, <laughs> donate today. You can donate with just $1 a month. Um, okay, no, but mm. uh, stupid shit aside, we are thankful to all of you for listening and for hanging out with us. And if you're able to subscribe, that does keep that keeps this going. And we're grateful to... Uh, gumball where we do our new, you know, ad stuff and it all just, mm-hmm. it all just works. We're just, we're better off. So yeah. why a, am I better? A, we're doing great. A, ro- a robot shopping cart is better at selling ads than those like 40 white guys. <laughs> then act and white people actively being like inflammatory content, just stamping a big inflammatory content on. That's true. They're, putting they're us they're on a top shelf. They're not actively preventing us from getting ads, which yeah. is actually pretty helpful it turns out thank you robot uh what else uh i mean we i don't know let's let's just let's just go to a break there's no we're we're not qualified to talk about any other news we don't know yeah let's go to a break and i'll stop talking about this okay (laughs) (laughs) we're back okay 
we back? We're back. We're, we're back. back. I we I almost wanted to add while. one more thing and I stopped myself. <laughs> you can, but no, we, we it's pointless. For the first okay, time, I in just want to say. Wait, I just want to say. I just because I'm stewing now and I'm going to get over it. We're better off. Everything's fine. The the host letter that was quoted in that article, the quotes that the writer pulled, I fucking wrote. That host letter was drafted. There were like a hundred hosts all on a big email chain, all talking about what was important to us, what we wanted. Some people who stayed, some people who were happier there than others, but everyone supported everyone's efforts. The issues that Spanish Aki presents was suffering with were even worse than ours because they had no other cultural, like identical shows. They had no other like Spanish speaking shows like that. Yeah. And so they had even less support than us. We all wrote this letter. The letter was tame as fuck. And I wrote on the email chain, I said, guys, are you okay if I go through and I give this some motherfucking teeth? Because these people need to know that we are coming for them and we're going to step on their necks. And they were like, you have our blessing. And I go, you can take out whatever you want. So I wrote that fucking line. And to see that in there and then to be like, and you couldn't even call me to ask me about this? It just felt so, I don't know. It just felt like we just got erased from the whole thing. And I'm like, why did I do all that work? It was so hot that month. It was so hot. I didn't have air conditioning. Just trying to Zoom and podcast 100 degree heat. (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> okay, I'm done. We're reliving. This This is possibly not in the most healthy way, digging up some old trauma, but I no, think we're not. good. It is not terrible that we're talking about it on mic, I think. We haven't ever done I've, that. I've lost any barometer on what's a good way to handle things or not. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think that's, I mean, same. I'm, who knows? Who fucking knows? All right, that's... Uh, maybe not the official end of this. I'm sure it'll come up. But I think this is this is a bunch of shit that we have been like, should we say this stuff? Yeah. I don't know. I know. I, and then I was like, I don't know who I'm protecting. I guess I'm just trying to seem classy and not act grindy. Yeah. yeah. But I guess today I don't care. Um, mainly because I watched a very strong woman be questioned by a fucking troll about what a woman is or whatever the fuck. Yeah. God, yeah. that was a mess. Okay. All right. Let's do let's do a little bit of let's cleanse the palate. Yeah, with, with racism voice. <laughs> that's this is where we're, this is where we're at. Hey, Andrew, Tani, Kevin, possible guests. Um, I am a white high school teacher. I teach in a uh, Chinatown in a city. About half of my students are Chinese. Um, that's relevant. I um, let my kids uh, eat. Uh, breakfast first period um, because school starts at 7.30 and I know that I can't eat that early and also I have this radical idea that, you know, kids deserve bodily autonomy and like eating when you're hungry makes you learn better. Um, so some kids eat the school breakfast, some kids bring their own breakfast and uh, some of my kids today were eating with dried fish snacks and I dislike the way that they smell and was about to tell them to not bring them again, um, but was wondering if that was sort of me applying my white sensibility of, um, you know, <laughs> what I perceive to smell quote-unquote bad or strong. Um, and so your thoughts on that? Same thing for, like, you know, heating up food and shared microwaves in the way that uh, we think about what's appropriate and what's not appropriate. Um, wondering if that's racist and um you know if you have any ideas all right thanks bye 
inflammatory yeah. content, Andrew. That's what this show is all about. <laughs> but y'all can sell ads for all the murder, all the murder shows you want. Um, so this <laughs> this teacher doesn't want to tell their student not to bring smelly food. Here, I have a real question with this one, actually, because I, I was going two ways about this. Because uh, those those fish snack things are a little pungent, but not the most pungent things mm-hmm. on earth. But I, they are also like an acquired uh, I, I, what I mean is that I was going to say they're an acquired taste, but that has a, the kind of the opposite connotation than what I mean, which is that like, all right, so so my two sides of this are a little bit like nothing is inherently gross. Right. Like, clearly, these are children that have learned to like this, and it's very common in Asia to eat this shit. So unless you think Asian people have magically different, like, senses of smell (laughs) this is you can learn to like these things Mm. um and you can learn not to be bothered that being said that the window for doing that is probably shut off after adulthood i would just guess like many things it's hard to like acquire a new taste Mm. uh is that right i don't know i i I don't think so i think you can if you i think people can change their tastes and yeah, try at, at any yeah. age. It it takes yeah. work, but you can. Yeah, I, I maybe that. It, it definitely takes work, and like I do understand if something is like not a smell not that for you, you like. Yeah, yeah. But then it is this thing of like at least being able to just say like not that this is gross, not ascribing like a value to it. Because mm-hmm. again, it's not gross to the kids; they're eating it. Right. Like, um, and many Asian things. I mean, I was born in America. You know, I had exposure to a lot of um, stuff, but there's stuff that I'm like, man, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Although at a much higher threshold than I think most (laughs) Americans. Um, I don't know. Yeah, so so, that to me is like the, like, caller's on the right track, but I also understand it's like, if you're in a room and you, like, can't, do your it's not like it's not like even if it's not like you can learn to tolerate these things quickly you know i I, yeah it's just so tricky that's probably why most teachers are like you can't eat in here because they just want to make a blanket rule yeah Um, because you know if you're vegan and someone's eating meat that smell is offensive and or can be or if someone was eating a fucking grilled cheese sandwich i would lose my mind in a small room like that i don't want to smell dairy like that yeah I think that's that's like exactly like a reasonable. Thing. Imagine if I told some little white kid they couldn't have a grilled cheese sandwich because it was yeah. Like, <laughs> would that be racism I mean, against whites? They like you can't microwave this in in the office. Microwave is definitely only used racistly. Like yeah, that's well, only ever like oh the Indian foods gross. Oh the this and it's like all right, but like there's okay. other foods. Backstage sure. at Second City, I did bring bouillabaisse and I heated it up in the um, backstage microwave. And I do feel like that was on me. And like <laughs> French is not my cultural background. So that was just me bringing a, a smelly fish bomb <laughs> yeah, to a small space that's been there since 1959. Is that? But I think, I think there's, I, but that's, a, it's like the difference between a strong smell and a gross smell. Mm. Like, And it's just always worded as the latter to me. It's like, oh, it stinks in here. Mm -hmm. Like, does it though? Like, or does it stink to you? That's true. 
So what should the teacher do? Say no food whatsoever? I don't know. Hey, if anyone has anything with any odor, like if you're not just eating Ritz crackers, (laughs) you gotta like, I don't know, be near a window. Just like, but yeah, I'm like, I don't know. Part of me is like, just get used to the fish snacks. Children eat them. Children eat them. You can handle it. But that's probably not reasonable. See, I was ready to be all like, this is one of these overthinking ass calls. But no, you're, yeah, you're, yeah, it is. Well, it, I'm, but I'm also just like, I think it's fair to be like, I mean, I don't know. Is it, is it useful to phrase it as the, at least the teacher's shortcomings? Yeah. Is that, I'm just or like, just, like, yeah. Like, I'm sorry. I can't, I don't like the smell. Because I am a weak white person. Now, Andrew. Now, Andrew, you don't have to drag our nice listener. They called now, in. If they said that verbatim. They I gave think, us a nice voicemail to you. They have a thoughtful problem. They, they had the attitude that I think they, you know, call her, hit, hit me up on Twitter if you did not find that offensive <laughs> personal, <laughs> as a personal attack. Because I, I think our listeners are living exactly this, or our white listeners live in the sweet spot of they love calling themselves weak white people. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> Maybe I am wrong. Let us know. We're we're thinking of new merch ideas. Um, <laughs> if you would wear a shirt that says "weak white," just no other explanation. Someone, someone <laughs> Kevin did just did a th- three sixty turn away from the mic. Someone pitched uh, a merch to me on Friday that mm-hmm. I was like, we should consider this, but probably we should not do it, which is, yo, is this racist, the logo, and then like an arrow, like a like an I'm with stupid shirt, like mm-hmm. just pointing to the right <laughs> so people can stand next to stuff and be like, is this racist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's it feels funny. like it feels like a bad idea in a way I cannot put my finger on, but otherwise I like it because uh, someone's gonna abuse it and yeah. do something crazy with it that we cannot foresee. Yeah, it's gonna blow back on us somehow. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, but uh, I guess write in. Let us know if you would wear an "I'm with stupid" or "I <laughs> <a Yoksis laughs> racist racist." St- I'm with stupid style shirt. Uh huh. Or maybe we should do a Twitter poll. Or just in block letters, weak white. Mm-hmm. It, it could mm-hmm. be about wine. Mm-hmm. 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 <laughs> um, did we answer um, this person's question? Get I think we fish kind stuff. of did. I think you can get. I, I'm just saying, the caller's mind is absolutely in the right place. I. I'm convinced you can get used to the fish snacks. Look, mm-hmm. you either believe that there's inherently something magical about Asian noses or that this is something you can learn to like. Be a fun so, Pixar movie. The magic Asian nose. Mm-hmm. Goes on a little adventure. Okay, this episode's going to be long. We're sorry. It's because I was being a brat. Um, no. Let's, because let's I was one more. being it angry be, on Mike. It won't even be, it won't even be long. This is going to be great. Don't forget, we're, we're, if you're looking at your time code, Tani, we're cutting out a bunch of this because of uh, off-mic comments. Oh, hell yeah. That's true. <laughs> Fuck yeah. This isn't as long as I thought. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. Hey, Andrew, Tani, and whoever else is there. Uh, long time, Damn, first drag, time. Kevin. <laughs> I have Mr. been concerned about Juneteenth. So this isn't really a question about whether it's racist. Uh, it's how do we keep it from becoming racist. Ooh. 
ever since it was made a federal holiday, I've been thinking about how people are going to celebrate it now that they kind of have the platform to do it and just worried about the sort of parties people might throw or the things they might think are appropriate to have at them. Is there any way for white people in groups to celebrate Juneteenth without it getting really weird really fast, either personally or at the workplace? would love to hear your thoughts. Uh, hope you're all doing well. <sighs> I guess I'm just like... Every- what do you want us to say? Everything get goes bad. Yeah. Everything gets ruined. Everything is co-opted. Um, the people that are going to do the racist shit, we're going to do the racist shit no matter what. No matter so what. So it is sort of like, I don't know. Uh, I will say, I, mm, I think this is an anecdote I cannot pass on because this is, but um, on Mixedish, my old boss on Mixedish wrote the blackish episode mm-hmm. that was about Juneteenth that uh, I think could be strongly argued was a pretty direct, um, pretty direct uh, uh, catalyst to like, yeah, bring it, into- it, it basically, you know, brought it to national attention in a very serious way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Peter Saji, great writer, great boss. Uh, and I'm not just saying that I'm no longer employed by him. So you can tell I mean it. That sounded sarcastic, but I actually do mean it. No, he, uh, you would talk a lot about what, um, what a great experience you had working with him. Um, but yeah, so yeah, I guess I, I, I can't blow his story because it's his story. But uh, let's just suffice to say, uh, I think he is not given enough personal credit for bringing Juneteenth to the national consciousness. Um, however, uh, one thing I will also say is uh, as a bonus for working on the show... Um, because uh, usually network shows start around June. That was like one of the first big events we had was like Juneteenth lunch. Mm. And good lordy, it was um, fucking great. Uh, a very easy menu to find. Um, mm-hmm. The red velvet cake and, and red pop. And uh, I think we mostly got like barbecue and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... It's a pretty, pretty straightforward thing. No need to make it weird. Um, if you're a white person considering making office decorations, it doesn't have to be a very slavery-based if you don't want it to. <laughs> if you don't want it to. If you do, you're probably not listening to this show. Yeah. You're I, probably <laughs> someone, someone else. Um, also, like, is it is it cheeky of me to be like, just don't. Just no white people t- create the celebration. Just go to a, just see if you can score an invite to something done by a black person. Yeah. You don't need to be throwing the party. You don't need to be. Or support a black owned business. I think yeah. it's like, um, yeah, in our case, I can't remember where it was, but it was one of the you know, LA barbecue places. And I think they just had a Juneteenth menu. Yeah. That that's a great got. way. You go there, yeah. then you can participate. You could be around the decorations. Maybe they'll give you a little hat. But then it's all, you know, it's all led by the people, <laughs> you know. You know, I don't know. I just think about Profiting it from it, but it is like, yes, you know. Yes, profiting from it, is... it, but sharing their culture with you as opposed to you celebrating their culture, yeah. which might not be done in the best way. Yeah, yeah. I think that's like reasonable but yeah you know the the like the the caller's point about like this is going to be racist it's like yeah sort of once again like yeah no shit 
it's always racist. Yeah. And if it's uh, a corporate setting, because we always forget about, or I always forget, because I haven't had a real job in a long time. Um, <laughs> if you're talking more about like the corporate, like how as a workplace do we celebrate or whatever, the answer is hire black people to do it, to lead that conversation and to lead that effort. Pay them, whether they're already on your payroll and you ask like, hey, do you want to be part of this? Here's the added salary bump for doing this additional labor. Or you hire some outside group. There's all these DEI initiatives. I'm sure there's a fucking party party bus <laughs> planning yeah. corporate party service that you can find um, yeah yeah but hi- hire the people that hail from that background this goes for all cultural holidays and observances to lead yeah. the initiative i think that's like the best you can do really like just yeah. fucking do that because it's like most we get it most of your workplaces probably don't have enough people and or Diver- you know, I don't have enough diversity to take on this load. Nor, nor are should you be like creating a like Pokemon situation where you just have one of everyone, right? Uh, for you know, obviously, it's best if your place of work is representative of the nation. But like, like many times, we've had people on the show like, "How do I get a black friend?" And it's like, right. <laughs> not like that. <laughs> and you can ask, you know, you in your meetings. Your little meetings, your Zooms. Your little conference table huddles. You can say phrases like, oh, who are we hiring to lead this initiative? Or, you know, what groups Mm -hmm. are we engaging to plan this? So that the expectation is there for whoever your boss is or whatever that you need to. I remember, this is a dumb analogy and doesn't fully work. But uh, when I was working in clubs in Chicago, I worked in this hip hop club. And it it was a diverse group. bunch of employees but we didn't have any south asian people and they wanted to do a diwali party and so they hired a, a an indian promoter and it was the cool it was my first time celebrating diwali i didn't previously know much about it and it was so it was just like authentically done and then a ton of south asian folks came to the bar and then they also became patrons after that and it further diversified our already very diverse club and i just remember being like i was like 21 years old and i just remember being like Oh, that's a really cool way to like celebrate a because I was in Chicago where every Cinco de Mayo, some, you know, white people who ran the Bed Bath and Beyond or the <laughs> Irish bar or whatever would throw a Cinco de Mayo party and it always felt super gross. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, just having the people whose thing it yeah. is do it feels so much better. I think it's like that like corporate stab at diversity, which goes back to the thing we said at the beginning, which is like all this like attempt at diversity doesn't change it, but and often is back padding or, or, you know, covering up something much worse. Mm-hmm. But there's elements in which it's helpful and changing a culture. But it's, it's I guess I, I would guess, although there's probably a great number of exceptions to this, like it's sort of a necessary but not sufficient. But everyone treats it like it's sufficient. That's mm-hmm. it. The problem is it's just like, oh, we did it. We're about <laughs> to have our first black non-white supremacist uh <laughs> supreme court justice mm. not first you know what i'm saying yeah um, i think like the intent with the question too is interesting and like we were saying at the beginning of the episode of like how do i instead of framing it as like how do i not be racist framing it like how do i support black people because it feels more mm. like action-based with the how do i support black people instead of just like with the 
I know we're talking about like the sales team of like, how do I not be racist? Well, their first thought is going to be like, just don't do anything. Like you're immediately going to like stay away thinking instead of like, how do I help? It feels more like with Tawny's amazing example, like we went out and reached out and, and did a thing. But like, I don't think they were thinking of it like, how do I not be racist when having this event? Yeah. It's just, how do I not get called racist? Yeah. 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 Well, how do I, I not get g- these people mad at me? Which Tony, is not given, a way to operate. Given the theme of the week, I thought it was important to let Kevin have the last word here. So Absolutely. <laughs> Kevin, please. Please shut me up. Please. No, uh, talk if over I can finish, Tony. Yeah. <laughs> I have some I inflammatory content. <laughs> and you know, coming, um, I would like to just promote the autoimmune protocol diet for any of your inflammation needs. <laughs> Removing all grains from your diet will really take down joint pain from your personal physical body or your uh, uh, unsupported and abused little podcast. Beautiful. Uh, all right. That's this is how we go out. We all. <laughs> Andrew's we sick of me. Just, we need to take a walk around the block. <laughs> Perpetually. Um, um, thank you. We, lo- we love all of you for listening, really. Thank, thank you, you for listening for, yeah. for real. Um, and truly, like, Glibness aside, going to suboptimalpods.com and and supporting us is how we're allowed to do this in the way that is not the way as uh, talked about in the article, which I think if you're listening this fucking far, you think that's important. So, you know, we appreciate everyone's support. We do appreciate merch ideas. We're we're gonna try to figure figure out some new merch. Um 323-389-7223, 323-389-race, suboptimalpods.com. Uh, Trondy Newman. Don't tag me and shit. Don't tag Tawny. <laughs> Go ahead and tag me, Andrew T, <laughs> Kevin J. Bartelt. That's it. Follow us on Optimal Pods Instagram. Okay, that's all. Thank you. Goodbye. Peace. This is Suboptimal.